Much um, needed hiatus, but very happy to be back. Holy City, sound off. Here we go. We back. We back. (laughs) How we doing? How we feeling? How's the holiday season treating you? Um, It's good. It's good. The festivities are in full effect. We just had the Howlers, obviously Christmas episode, which was a lot of fun. Got me into a ton of fun. Tristan cooked up some. Special questions. Yeah. So he We had some some goofy questions. We had some amazing beer again. Shout out to Trillium for providing us with uh the evening beverages. Um but yeah, it was a lot of fun. So go check that out if you haven't already. But we have tons to talk about in the scope of both the battery and the USL sphere. Some pretty massive announcements coming the last few days. Uh and the least insignificant of which could be considered some of the new signings battery have brought in. So it's actually been a pretty busy offseason, I'd say, from from the battery standpoint. A lot of uh, important players returning, also some important new additions. Who of the lot has kind of stood out to you guys the most so far? Who are you most excited to see? And it could be a returning player if you so pick. I think for me, Aaron Malloy stands out the most from, um, I mean, I just love the attacking midfielder role, um, mm-hmm. creative thinking player. You can even consider him a box-to-box midfielder. Uh, I mean, he's a standout player for Memphis over the last few seasons. Um, 10 goals and 19 assists through 74 matches last year. So I think that was a part of the battery that was missing this season. They had, obviously, Henwala come in um, to be that marquee player in the middle. And I think Aaron Malloy can now fill those shoes. Obviously, the injury impacted Henwala. We did see players step up, obviously, a Toro Rodriguez. Um, we, they had attacking options through Traeger, through, um, obviously, Adele. But I think having a true midfielder in that in that that for that battery side is going to be huge for them and obviously has had experience working with Pierman um, when he was obviously managing Memphis uh, over two seasons ago, over a season ago. So, um, yeah, I think that's a really big signing for them and it's going to make a huge difference going into next season, obviously, as they push to get back to the USL final. Yeah, and I mean, Malloy's a, a league-wide player that everybody should be watching this season, not just big news for the battery, like you said, but that's a guy that is has made in what I think is an awesome move both for him and for the battery, but kind of got like a James Madison-esque feel to it, kind of a player who's already been proven Maybe he hasn't done it on as big a stage, but now he's going to get a real chance to thrive in, in a pretty awesome environment and a pretty stable team. Uh, again, that's bringing back some important players. But Connor, who's been on your uh, on your agenda of guys you can't wait to see? Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly excited for all of them to see them all play. But I think the one that stands out to me is a returner, and it's the most recent one, Segbers. I'm really excited to see get a full season under his belt. Obviously, they brought him in toward the later stages as the playoffs approached from Miami. And he wasn't debuting as much as I'd thought right away. But then when playoff time rolled around, he was a staple in that back line. And we got to see up close and personal from the touchline at the final and other playoff matches just what he actually is capable of. Um, he's a tireless player to run up and down the flank. 
He's a sturdy player. I think you can get. He's guaranteed a lot of games, but he also has that creative ability to go forward, overlap, very confident on the ball, compose, makes good decisions with his kind of seasoned feel. So I think he's the player for me to see what he'll do in a full season with the battery as he continues to get acclimated, as he settles in even more, builds a good bond. He's a guy that's also always smiling, so I think he's going to add to the vibes that we love that come with the battery, but he he's the guy for me. Yeah, that's another great shout. Similarly, I'd, I'd go the defense route, and for me it would be Graham Smith. Uh, this is a guy who maybe went a little bit under the radar um, in terms of like making the USL waves of signings, but uh, it's a guy who's got MLS caps to his name, a few with Sporting Kansas City. Uh, I think uh, I think he also might have a goal. Don't quote me on that, but he has played in a couple big games for Sporting, um, and really tall, six foot three, really good size. I mean, that's something that's been utilized in any league uh, football around the world, but especially in USL, it's sort of that hard nosed feel. Feels like you really do need some height because again, so many of those corners are whipped in right on top of the goalie's head. If there's a free kick, they're going to put it as close to the goalie as possible. The name of the game, I think, in USL especially is physicality. Huge reason why Charleston were successful in 2023. But uh, adding some more height, I think, is huge. Again, it's a somewhat stacked back line. He will definitely have to constantly put in good performances. And obviously, as we know, that can be a lot more difficult when players have made a move recent. But he's somebody I'm I'm looking forward to seeing, and I'm sure he will stand out figuratively and quite literally on the field um, being at 6-3. But guys, we didn't mention uh, Joshua Drack also incoming um, and Leland Archer re-signed recently as well. So Drack's exciting. Uh, Andrew, what do you know about him? Obviously, you've been in touch with uh, a few of our few of our contacts at Charleston, we'll say. But uh, what do you know about Draxter? Um, I mean, he... Brings, I think him and his age will bring a lot of excitement just in that back line, high energy, something that Ben Pierman will thrive off of having him in his roster. Um, he likes to go forward a lot. He was playing at Huntsville last season, was an MLS draft picked for um, Austin FC or LA Galaxy, I believe. Um, so, yeah, it was LA Galaxy. So he's gotten, you know, some experience across the U.S. soccer pyramid. I think that's a lot of these players at the Charleston Battery and across the USL, but um, obviously a fullback. And like I said, I think he's going to bring a lot of options going forward, similar to Segbers, um, similar to like Declan Wynn, what we saw last season. So I think those are the types of players that Pyramid is really keeping an eye on. And speaking in terms of like the back line and having another defender. I think that's something that's huge for this squad. Um, we saw when the roster announcement was made, Sebastian Palma was the only one that was returning. Um, obviously getting Segbers and Leland back are, are huge pluses. Getting another fullback is huge. I think the battery were like one of their strongest assets last season was their back line and their two center backs specifically. So um, I think reinforcing that, having a good center back, like in the biggest stages of football um, in, in Europe, it's difficult. The same goes for the USL. Like finding that really, really reliable uh, center back and defensive players is going to be um, is always going to be difficult. They lost obviously AJ Cochran due to retirement. Hope him, wish him the best. Great guy. Um, yeah. So and uh, and and AJ Patterson also departing. So center backs that are seasoned in this game, you want to have them in your side, and that's exactly what uh, the batter are doing. So. Well, we would be remiss not to also say our goodbyes while we were also saying our hellos. You did just mention one of the goodbyes we have to say tonight, which is A.J. Patterson, who joins Birmingham. 
I think it's a great move for him. I think it's uh, another great USL club, a great place to play some American grassroots football. Uh, but AJ Patterson joining uh, Birmingham. And Joe Schmidt, who is kind of a, a favorite of ours, sort of a, oh, yeah. a cult favorite. Connor, he's set it up uh, in your up in our I direction, know. but we'll more specifically to, in you as well. We'll have to go check him out over at Hartford. Um, that, I think that's a good home for him. He probably won't. You said it uh, very well and pack your coat and your warm weather clothing, but I, I think he will settle in despite the cold weather uh, switching up. Yeah, and I'll say this. I mean, it's no secret that Hartford had a pretty tumultuous year, really difficult for the club and didn't achieve a whole lot on the pitch. And I know after speaking to those fans firsthand, we know that they were, I mean, they were pretty frustrated, feel like they've kind of been left out to dry in terms of club improvement. But this is a league that I think has a pretty short memory. The addition of a few certain guys uh, or just a matter of guys finding their form again can always kind of turn things around. So I don't think teams are are poor for very long here. And in terms of poor, I mean, like in terms of form. But mm-hmm. what I guess the long route of what I'm saying is they could be on the upswing really before you know it. And it's always a great place to, you know, kind of be part of that plant that's being that's that's growing oh, yeah. over there. And Hartford. So, yeah, again, Connor, you'll definitely have to go check him out. And I'm sure he'll recognize he'll have too. his own fan group yeah. of us. Us, <laughs> we'll us four. The Schmidsters. Yeah. Um, AJ, Army. AJ Patterson is definitely a Obviously a tough, a tough loss. Um, obviously did fall out towards the end of the season, but reliable over the course of four seasons for the club. Club captain, um, some memorable goals. So I definitely wish him the best as he uh, has a new career at Birmingham because yeah. I think he is a battery top player. Legend. Yeah, he is. A, he is. A, yeah, I think he is. Probably a soon to be USL legend. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. And he no, he, he also Birmingham. had a lot going on this season with having a kid and stuff too. So yeah, exactly. It's tough to get all like do all those things balance them all throughout the course of a season yeah yeah it's that's it that's an actually a very astute point connor i think we as fans a lot of the times forget they also have lives sometimes life does kind of get in the way and you know he'll probably look back and say having a kid was still the best thing that ever happened to him so you know even amidst a career uh in the usl but Birmingham are definitely indeed getting a good one. So we'll definitely, uh, we're looking out for, for both those guys next season. It'll be fun to see some of the guys that we're familiar with at this point and seeing how they do and where they go. And that return back to uh, Patriots point, I'm sure will be very nice regardless. And speaking of the return to Patriots point, we have a schedule drop that also came out last week um, amid some, again, awesome graphics from the graphics department at Charleston battery. Shout out to you guys as always. Um, to run through a few of the bigger matchups. So the home opener is going to be March 23rd versus New Mexico United. You can get tickets for that now. Um, April 6th, they're going to play at RIFC. So they're losing their Rhode Island virginity and they're headed up north. <laughs> Again, pack your coats. It's still going to be cold up here. Um, they'll head to our RIFC. Maybe we'll be there. Maybe we won't. Who knows? Hopefully we can hopefully. get something scheduled yeah, with definitely. them. Um, and then... A bitter return. They're going to make a juicy road trip to Phoenix in June uh, to return and play the Rising, and then obviously the games versus Tampa Bay are going to be in looks like July and then September. So they'll have a few games under their belt before they play Tampa. But which of those stand out to you guys the most? I think the Phoenix game will be very emotional. Um, a lot of guys coming back from last season, obviously, so they'll definitely have some, um, some you know. Bad blood between the two. Ben Pierman doesn't seem like the type to... I think he's secretly a guy that's like, I want to fucking kill this team. <laughs> so uh, yeah. and he's really good, obviously, behind a mic and, and 
keeping it professional, but I think he, he plays the mind games and I think he like touch side. So um, it'll just be interesting to see how that unfolds. Um, but that to me, it stands out as the game to, to watch. Yeah. For me, it's not one that you mentioned, but anytime the battery matchup with Lou city is mm. one that I'm going to tune into obviously because there's off the field antics, but also as the battery try to really establish themselves as like a powerhouse in the East and maybe steal the crown from Louisville city in, in being that dominant side. Um, I think, I think that's one that's only going to grow as the matches go on and the battery continue to be that powerful force. So, um, and then there's the pyramid pyramid layer to that one too. So, yeah, yeah. Um, that, that's one like that I'm, I'm always excited for, but take your pick. It's all, it's hard to think that like, the matches we're going to see next season can even top some of the ones that we saw this year. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that's a great point. Uh, and to your point earlier, I mean, yeah, he, he did kind of get Ben, I'm saying did kind of give Phoenix their flowers. You know, he did mention in post game, like looking at the path that it took for them to win the title, it's impossible not to think it wasn't like complete destiny or fate that, that this was something that was going to go their way. So even in the face of of great emotion and a really brutal, probably what what he would call the most brutal result he's ever had in his career, I would think, uh, you know, he handled that really well. But yeah, in terms of the schedule for me, I mean, both both the Tampa games always stand out. I think it's awesome the respect both of the fan groups have for one another and the hospitality that they show one another. It's really the way to do it, right? Like celebrate with them before, probably even after, depending on how bad the result was, but you know, save everything for the game. It's going to be intense enough, but I, I think the Charleston Tampa rivalries, one of the better derbies you'll find on us soil. Yes. Including all of the, all of the top leagues, MLS included who we will get to in a second, but um, yeah, both the Tampa games will stand out to me. So definitely looking forward to those. And we should remind everybody we'll get to watch all these games with a brand new streaming service. So yeah. hopefully that till Some of them. Fun, <laughs> fun, fun fact, uh, Manuel Ortega from Phoenix rising actually transferred to Tampa Bay this past week. So um, the, gonna the striker on their back, the strikers, <laughs> I, Tristan, there might be a little bit more uh, feistiness between the two teams this season. It's obviously always a hospitable environment between the two, but um, I think in this case, it's going to be a bit more dramatic. Yeah, man. I don't know what that guy has against Charleston. Jimmy G's. It's a nice <laughs> place. You should stay and hang out a while. Stay a couple days, man. Have some oysters, have a drink, relax. Um, we go. We move on now to what is, I think, the crux of the whole episode. I mean, something that was a pretty seismic announcement last week on Friday. MLS announces that they are withdrawing from this year's upcoming U.S. Open Cup, which is obviously the oldest competition in U.S. soccer. Uh, they'll instead send MLS Next Pro Sides, which is obviously their self-created farm league that they kind of send players to and from. Essentially, from what it looks like, the calendar was just full. Last year, they started the League's Cup, which I don't really remember anybody asking for in large swaths. <laughs> but they go to the League's Cup, which kind of, again, pushes the U.S. Open Cup more to the side. Don Garber says a lot of sort of disparaging comments against the U.S. Open uh, Cup last season, which doesn't go over obviously well. What are your guys' thoughts on all this? I mean, there's a few other aspects to it we can we can jump into. But overall, I mean, it seems like pretty unsurprising pretty characteristic i can't say i'm surprised but still i am really bummed to see this i so my i'm just gonna go off my opinion not like facts that we have off on our phones but we're a big opinion over facts uh, podcast everybody you should know that by now and it's (laughs) i think the mls is a 
awesome product. I think they have an awesome, awesome stadiums. They have fans. I think that actually care about their clubs. Um, I think they have such a good like base to really grow the game, to make it more like football everywhere else in the world. Um, but I think they've completely botched it. I think they've made, they've taken this product and they've made it commercialized and, They've turned it into Manchester United. Like they, they literally have. They're like, you know what? We oh, don't want to. We, we already don't compete and even like fathom the idea of trying to have a relegation promotion system. Um, and and in this case, we're actually removing ourselves a step further away from the U.S. Soccer Pyramid by going into our own League Cup, into the MLS, driving revenue through there, and just completely forgetting about every other club that makes the sport in America. If they actually cared about the game, they would act. They would they would do more that um, they could be doing for the lower league te- uh, teams. And for anyone to say that, oh, like in Europe you have these mega giant clubs and you have these clubs all the way in the middle of nowhere, like in England or whatever it may be. At the end of the day, I think a lot of these clubs and the 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 culture of football in Europe there is a care for smaller clubs and there's a, there's a fans care just as much while fans cared for standing against the European super league. They also did it for the sake of the integrity of the game. And I don't think the MLS owners or MLS owner um, board members really care about the integrity of the game. They care about the money and how deep their pockets go. Um, And I think this is a pathetic move from MLS from the MLS, which I think could be such an amazing product. I love their their stadium. I, I, my biggest like attractive aspect to the MLS is the stadiums. I think the stadiums are amazing and giving access to USL clubs to go in there, to give players that experience to get more eyes on the game. I think that's what really makes it the most exciting. Like Vermont green are going into um, the U S open cup. Like that would draw the entire Vermont green fan base, which already has an insane fan base outside of Vermont and grow the game. Like, way more than it than it would have if they weren't there. So it's just ridiculous to see a really, really good opportunity for more and more potential fans get their eyes on how big the game spreads across the U.S., and I think the MLS is cutting that short. So that's my rant. Felt like Dave Portnoy a bit there because he does like to go on rants, but um, I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree. Hey, Connor, what do, what do you have to add about I, that? I would also agree. Um, I mean, I feel like in drawing my opinion – there was an opinion that I've drew initially, and I still stand by that in saying that it's like the minute this move was announced by the MLS, um, it it feels to me like the MLS are trying to be a super league without any of the credibility <laughs> that the clubs would have had in the super league had it happened. And all it's doing it is making the MLS look like more of a laughing stock and isolating themselves to a point where nothing is going to make sense in U.S. soccer as a whole when you look at the collective group of soccer in America. So that's my take. I think it's, yeah, I think it's silly. I think it's greedy. It's selfish. Whatever list of adjectives you want that the MLS has well-earned, I would say throw it at them and Tristan, I'm curious to hear your take, but I'm also the the layers to this. It's like it's just a it's a black hole that you go down, and it almost just gets worse and worse. So, uh, but yeah, what do you think, Tristan? Yeah, I'm agree with every single word that's come out of both your mouths. And for me, looking at it, it's just MLS has this hilarious identity issue 
they lack any and all self-awareness, not only about who they are, but about what a successful top tier league should be. So they've sat there essentially and said, eh, we did this leagues cup thing. The Mexican top flight teams have way more money than the USL teams do, and they get more views. So instead of doing something grassroots, let's, let's basically sell out to the Mexican league, have a, have a tournament that complements only the wealthiest of both of those countries. Again, neither of which are powerhouses in world football anyways. So what's the point of doing that? And again, like you guys said, they've, they've removed also the opportunity of a, a guy who plays for, Phoenix Rising scoring a crazy free kick against Columbus Crew. They've removed a the guy who's uh, like a part-time goalkeeper who works maybe as an accountant coming up with a huge penalty save against LAFC. You know that they've completely ruined both of the good but what could be good and bad about both sides of it. Like again, that's essentially how I feel about everything, but but they're not sure they don't want to be a part of grassroots which is what every country is the bundesliga team still valued the fb poll call the in the premier league still values the fa cup so why does the mls not value the u.s open cup should that should they not want to be a part of that as well still treat that as a big deal no we're instead we're going to sell out we're going to have a tournament with mexican teams which again I, I i don't hate the idea of it but to replace that in the schedule altogether is just like absolutely shambolic and it's even more insulting i think to send mls next pro teams too because that was so poorly received last year when it was first started or two years ago when it started but mm-hmm. now to have that be the only teams you send it's like honestly like an extra an extra kick to the nuts like to to do that and go oh not we're not going to be involved just if i was usl i'd say no i don't want any of them I, nothing mls is involved now like you've kind of ruined this by doing that and I don't know. It's it, do you agree with what I'm saying about the identity thing though? Like if you just take a step back and assess it not even as a fan of American soccer, you're like what are what exactly are you trying to accomplish that's not monetarily pushed, right? Yeah. I, I don't think you can find really anything and I think that's also when you look at this League's Cup, it was partial it was created I mean by the MLS like they had such a huge hand in it. And I think all it did was obviously they can make money off it, but it also guarantees more MLS team qualification for the CONCACAF Champions Cup, which is like now going to be another competition that goes on for club teams in, I don't know if it's North America or what it might be, but then by winning that and creating that, the MLS now has multiple avenues that their teams can qualify for this additional competition Hence, more notoriety, more eyes on them, more money. So, like, that's the main driver in all of this is money. And there's so many other factors. I mean, before, there's a huge list that I could go down of, like, the factors here. And I I guess I'll just jump in. But there's the messy effect. So, that's something Apple TV subscriptions, um, how that plays in. A complaint potentially of the U.S. Open Cup is that it adds to the fixture congestion that the MLS teams have to deal with um, because now they have to play in the League's Cup. There's the U.S. Open Cup. There's the CONCACAF Champions Cup. So there's a lot more games that they have to play across the season. There's conflict of interests of the U.S. Soccer Federation, how that all ties into the MLS. It's been always kind of a bad romance of how the two have communicated amongst themselves, pass money back and forth. And the MLS is always in kind of the U S soccer federation's pocket, even though the U S soccer federation is supposed to be the governing body 
of all that goes on in soccer in North America. Um, so there, there's a lot going on and, and like to unpack all those, like it could take forever, but it's all what I look at is like self-inflicted. For example, if fixture congestion, right? We, we address that topic. So fixture congestion, the MLS teams also don't want to go play on these poor surfaces or go play against not as strong a competition, blah, 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 because they don't have the depth to do that. The reason that they don't have the depth to do that is because the league sets a salary cap on what they can have for a set list of players, how much they can spend on their players, pay them, so on and so forth. So that's self-inflicted by the MLS. And the MLS is also brought up on the fact that like MLS has never been great football. They've always played on poor surfaces. And like the League's Cup is something they created that's now creating fixture congestion. But in comparison to the rest of world football, MLS teams don't play squat for the number of games across the season compared to the likes of like these European leagues. And then they can complain about travel. So complain about travel. But like these other teams, sure, they might have to travel across a smaller country, but they're also doing international travel. Manchester City is traveling for the Club World Cup right now. Like, so it's excuse after excuse. The messy effect, that's just a money grab. I think that's just like, and if someone else wants to take a crack at that, I know that's a more convoluted one that Apple TV is involved in. And that one, That's also their own fault, though. That's like they signed a two-year contract to get Messi here with Apple TV to be able to pay him. And as the article stated, I believe it was Forbes, they mentioned that what's going to happen two years from now when it's time for Messi to leave? Like, how is that going to impact like U.S. soccer and uh, fan retention? So um, ultimately... When it's time for Messi to leave, and he has zero problem doing that because there is absolutely no emotional connection to where he has been. There's no... (laughs) There's no love. There's no love for the ML. MLS don't love themselves, it seems. So it's impossible for us to love the MLS, which is a great metaphor in life. But essentially what I'm getting at is like we all know that MLS would be better if it completely bought into USL, completely bought into promotion relegation. And, And to be even more realistic, like as we've said before, there's a lot of USL clubs, a ton. And if creating a cleaner, more concise league meant some of those liquidating and disbanding. Not that any of us would want that. Not that any of us are wishing that, but it's just, if they could make it in a tiered way so that it was actually fluent and that the numbers semi matched up based on comparatively like the U S clubs to English clubs, USL fans would watch, uh, would watch MLS a lot more. Like I don't, I can't think MLS is getting a lot of fans from the Mexican market. They're fans of the Mexican teams, obviously. And they'll watch when their teams are playing, but all the fans we've met on these on these trips we've taken and all of them have said, nah, I'm just not into MLS. It's not cool at all. If they join, if MLS became part of that pyramid, then, of course, people naturally would would tune into MLS more. Naturally, they tune in to see who is going to get relegated, who might battery play next year. Will the battery jump into that league like I'm not saying there wouldn't be imperfections, but it's just it's like I feel like everybody sees clear as day how much better it would be cohesively. And they just constantly constantly spit in the face of cohesion and constantly step on usl clubs a lot of which have been around longer than the mls has anyway so right yeah the growth the growth of fans is the biggest question mark so it's like okay maybe they get the messy fans right like they get them for two and a half years as soon as messy leaves i don't think any of those those fans are sticking around to watch the mls if they watched 08 09 Barca they're not coming to MLS gonna watch that they have their Messi jersey they have their inter Miami jersey they'll be happy with that but they're gonna go back to watching European football whereas you have these hardcore fans 
that are watching the U.S. Open Cup, and those are the fans that are going to be growing the game by having conversations, talking to people, being like, oh, you should go watch this, da-da-da-da. So, like, short-term, the MLS, like, yeah, they'll get those fans for the next two, well, year and a half now. Um, but the the growth, the business plan, doesn't seem like they're even making a good business decision. And then the, the point, Tristan, that you're making, this competition aversiveness is it's criminal what the MLS are doing and how they can just choose who they play. Like they only want to play themselves, but how is that making them better? It's not. And I think in the U S open cup, Charleston is a team that has made and shown up in the cup to have big performances against MLS sides. Pittsburgh did it this season. Birmingham did it this season. And I think the MLS is very gettable. They're not playing this, unknown brand of football like they're not some godsend when it comes to the players walking out on a football pitch um so i'm curious and all all this was so this is a, this is an announcement that has been made by the mls there's something that we as traditionalists and like i would say grassroots football fans can hope for is the fact that the u.s soccer federation can overrule the decision or make the MLS do something different, make them send their first teams. Um, so the, in England, it's the FA. That's the governing body of soccer in England. The U.S. has the U.S. Soccer Federation. And the, that conflict of interest, that historical past that I mentioned, there's been lawsuits, there's been money exchanging. But the the biggest, I guess, gripe I have is that Don Garber is the commissioner of the MLS, but he's also a board member of the U S soccer federation. So it's like, at what point does the U S soccer federation have to put their foot down and be like, look, you guys, this is bad for the game. You cannot do this. And I I'm hoping that they come in, take a stand and do that because there's also like rules around naming what the first division is for soccer in America. Like in order to be claiming the, the title as the first division or top flight in America for soccer, which the MLS has, you have to participate in all of the competitions. And if they're sending MLS next clubs or teams, does that mean they're really participating? Or does that mean that then the USL championship can claim top flight in America for soccer? I don't know. There's so many pieces here, but I think the fact that the U the MLS is unwilling to compete against teams that they should be able to beat because they have more money, more resources, um, higher qualities, training facilities, training grounds, like whatever it might be, they should, they should honestly welcome it to prove the point that they're, they deserve to be the they're top the, They're the prestigious you know league. I mean? And it's also, not to drag this on too long, but I think, you know, it may be obvious, but the fan reaction from USL fans is very like negative. And, you know, you would look at it and be like, oh, like, like, they should see that and be like, oh, shit. Because you'd think maybe they're thinking like, oh, now they have the chance to win it. They don't have to play these bigger teams. But no, the opposite is they want to welcome challenge. And like having that negative impact from fans that you are beating almost every season in this cup is pretty wild to me. And and you should see that as a message that fans want this for the... They want their team to lose to Miami FC at their stadium. Because, hey, maybe like you said, if that, that Phoenix player will score amazing free kick and that'll be talked about for the rest of the season when it comes to looking back but you know they might have lost but they had an amazing time there ultimately fans want this and it will attract more people when they see competitive sides losing 
when it's a competitive game between a bigger side against a smaller side. So, yeah, yeah, huge bummer. And it'll be not interesting or exciting. Those don't feel like the right words, but it'll sort of be fascinating, I guess, to see how this plays out throughout the season. One, to see how the U.S. Open Cup changes. Um, you know, like you do say, it will sort of create more opportunities for teams like Charleston now who you could maybe consider if this all does go through as one of the favorites to win the U.S. Open Cup. But before we move on, a little bit of trivia for you guys. Who's the only non-MLS side ever to win the U.S. Open Cup? You remember? Charleston Battery. No, Rochester Rhinos. Oh, that's right. Oh, wait, never mind. I heard that question wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you said non-MLS side. Uh, um, Rochester yeah, Rhinos? Okay. Yeah, that's... Rochester Rhinos in 98, so... That's when I was obviously... born, Tristan. Yeah, so the day you were born, well, that's not probably true, but uh, <laughs> the birthday present to the world that year was your birth and the Rhinos winning the U.S. Open Cup. 98, one of the best years in world history. A uh, little bit of bummer news out of Rio Grande Valley, Texas, where the Toros have also recently announced just yesterday that they will be liquidating, no longer a part of the USL. It seemed like money issues were the root cause, the cause of everything in this world, but uh, the root issue for uh, the club no longer taking part in USL championship, but huge bummer. Regardless yeah. of the club, regardless of the market, regardless of the city, never, ever fun to hear news like yeah, that. Yeah, you can kind of see that in the you know the writing on the wall if you followed the Toros is history, having been a Houston Dynamo affiliate club. Um, the stadium, they had a stadium built, um, which is honestly one of the most, like, more remarkable stadiums in the league. Um, keeping up with, you know, everything from maintaining it to um, getting butts and seats to just overall day-to-day cost of running a football club, like, it's tough, but it, yeah, it is tough, and that's kind of the situation those affiliate clubs are in when they do, obviously, you know, disassociate with the parent club, which is an MLS team. But yeah, yeah, it's it's no fun, um, and just kind of again, sort of goes hand in hand with. It feels like the theme of U.S. soccer as of lately, and I guess unfortunately, this episode is that there's just there's no real love right now. There's no real cohesion in this country between footballing organizations. Where if you look at and and it'll never be what it's like in England. Just like the gridiron football culture in England will never be what it is in America. It's just I'm not saying that they should be on par with one another, but it's just there's no real connection. There's no real pride. There's no real I'm I'm proud to be able to take the field with Trump. We we have a to earn the right to go down to Charleston and beat their asses if we're an MLS club. We have to earn the right to go play at Charlotte Independence, even if they drop down a tier because they still have a field we can play. You know, there's just no cohesion. There's no love. And I think until that is changed, fans will only be able to love their specific clubs, their fans, of which I get. I don't blame them for that. Why, why should they pay attention to MLS if MLS won't take them seriously? It makes yeah. too much sense. So absolute bummer but you know what yeah. hopefully further episodes will be more uplifting and hopefully we'll have some more uh in the future we'll have some more battery announcements to, yeah. to give your way but um, and more expansion clubs hopefully will come along too as a couple of them obviously uh, current clubs seize operations so holy city sure. is back um i don't know we'll do this again but probably soon considering how close the season is actually away um or preseason play. as well i yeah. think preseason's in february so um stay tuned to more content don't forget to follow us holy city sound off on twitter and instagram updates there um you know whenever they come so we'll see you all very soon bye-bye happy holidays bye